Now, our operation is small, but there's a lot of potential for aggressive expansion. So my name is Jason. And I'm Richard. And this is, uh, I guess, the first crack at uh, an idea that we had. Um, I guess uh, an idea that's been in the making for some time. Uh, Richard and I have been friends for over a decade, I guess. Definitely. I don't know if it's been 15 years, but certainly it's been a decade. Definitely more, yeah. Yeah. And... um, we have talks, right? We have conversations and we, uh, we shoot the shit and we, we laugh at stuff and we think about the world and we're drinking beers <laughs> as, uh, as many have done before us. Um, and at some point, I don't know, I think, was it you or me or one of us said, you know, Hey, why, why are we not recording this stuff? I mean, maybe, Maybe someone else might have something interesting to contribute, or maybe uh, certainly we're fans, right, of, of the podcast or of the, uh, the the kind of radio talk radio type environment. Um, you know, uh, guys like uh, Joe Rogan and Bill Burr and um, uh, what's his name, Mark Maron, uh, just Ari Shafir, Ari Shafir. Um, just like all of these, I mean, I think one thing that's always fascinated us maybe is the, the stand-up comedy. Uh, I think, I think maybe to us it was always more than just gags. Yeah, I don't know. Like I feel like <laughs> sound check. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think maybe like stand-up comedians, not to not to claim membership amongst the. Amongst giants like those guys, uh, I would say that I think we've kind of always had the same approach to it in the sense that it's been a bit of a therapeutic, it's a bit of a therapy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, to laugh at things because otherwise you cry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't know, maybe uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about uh, where, what we want to do with this podcast. Oh, there's so many people... Now with like office jobs, I know I'm one of them that just have podcasts going on in their ears like all day long, you know, like it's kind of a cool medium, right? Like you're part of a, you know, silent participant in a conversation that's kind of better than 90% of the conversations that you have in real life. Yeah. So there's something interesting about that. And uh, I don't, we always have good conversations. I think so. I'm not sure if anyone's going to want to listen to them, <laughs> but that's part of the test. That's right? part of the test, yeah. I mean, if anything, the, the reason that this even was an interesting idea to me is, is because I listen to those guys like Rogan and, and, and uh, those conversations, and I consistently find myself in a situation where I'm like, I would give anything to be able to chime in. Yeah, you know. Totally. Because the, the society we live in, and just to be clear, we are both more or less the product of a standard Judeo-Christian, North American upbringing, 
uh, with everything that entails. We're in our mid-30s, mid to late 30s. Um, that means we came from that generation of just the post sort of 80s, 80s madness of, of jubilance and drugs and yuppies and uh, everyone dressing like geometrical shapes and listening to ridiculous music and having a lot of fun and acting like, you know, the money was going to never run out. But you and I aren't exactly 80s kids, are we, right? I mean, we, we just, I mean, I, I was born in 78, right? So by the time I got to that like puberty stage and I was starting to think for myself and I was starting to question things like the eighties ended just abruptly hmm. and I was just growing my hair out, you know, <laughs> to become a guns and roses kid and to, you know, get full on into the leopard print situation and the, the Pantera and all that. And then suddenly overnight, like the Nirvana thing came and hair chopped off and everyone's shoegazing and depressed and wearing sweaters, wearing sweaters and, um, you know, alternative music, or grunge mm. or whatever it was. The malaise. The mal- the, exactly. The 90s malaise, which is incredibly fascinating to see uh, how it's it's trying to make, it's making a comeback right now, right? Mm. right? Like we really reached that age. But I guess what I'm saying is that we've, we've grown up in that era where we, we are part of that generation that was potentially just bombarded with what I would call, what we call the promise, mm. Right the stuff they talk about in Fight Club, like, the, you know, we were all supposed to be, like, geniuses. Superheroes. Rock, superheroes, rock stars. Yeah. Uh, it was, we were caught in the maelstrom of that, like, refusal of the old ways and the old fogies. And, you know, every bro, every rock video was about, like, the parents banging on your door. Yeah, we were pummeled with that stuff. And, I mean, that's one of the things that's most interesting to me about podcasting is that, you know, like the old system was kind of just broadcasting stuff to you, like MTV, whatever. There's no interaction to it whatsoever. And even in like the earlier days of podcasting was same thing, right? It was a, it wasn't a dialogue. It was like a, it was a monologue, right? One way transmission. Yeah, one way. So now I feel like podcasting is starting to get to, it's it's evolved some somewhat, right? I'm like so, yeah. You and me, like we're we're having a conversation now, but if we put this out there, then other people are going to be able to chime in and put comments, and we're going to get feedback. And I think today's consumer of you know, not consumer in the sense of buying shit, but like consumer in terms of content demands a bit more of that, right? The interactivity. And I feel, you know, when I'm listening to like the Joe Rogan experience or something, like I feel like I'm part of that conversation, even though like I don't have a mic, right? You know, I can chime in like every other asshole on the forum and the YouTube and the whatever, you know, if I want to make a comment on it and it's up to the podcaster, I suppose, on like how reactive they're going to be to that, either criticisms or different points of, view or whatever but we're you know we're getting to a point where it's i think that people demand that kind of involvement in the media that they that they take up and and at the same time that this goes trying to say before but like that there's so many people working day jobs who've got headphones in their ears all day long and they're just hungry for content yeah right so 
and if that can be a, a podcast, people are on YouTube all day long. They're, I don't know how many times people check Facebook during Man- their, manically. Yeah. Oh my God. Like during like office jobs, like yeah. in, if you're happen to work for a company that is not blocking Facebook, <laughs> like it's people on. are on there all the time. It's on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like they're just doing other stuff all the time. Well, no, I mean, what you're saying is actually very interesting that my whole sort of preamble with the, us being sort of eighties kids with one foot in the nineties and all that is that we just saw the last of the one way transmission society, right? Where the TV just spoke to us. And then the radio just spoke to us and then politicians just spoke to us and celebrities. And there was all this talking at us, right? Uh, One thing I was talking about with a friend of mine the other day, I was saying how uh, we are possibly the last generation of, of people who had commercial jingles, like, like carved into our brains. Right. And we're like, sure. Without even realizing, like we were the target demographic because then uh, in the eighties, like the, the the advertisers, the, the game plan was drive the kids completely fucking insane with super amazing robots, super amazing robots, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 toy commercials and cereal commercials and just sugar and plastic was the right. And then can't believe it's not butter. Can't believe it's not butter. Right? There you go. See, like. We, Sometimes I feel like a, 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 a fucking sleeper agent, like I'm some sort of sleeper agent, like I've been inserted into society. And then whenever a company like, uh, you know, says their product name, like I, I'm at the at the grocery store and I see the Folgers can. I'm like, there's part of waking <laughs> so Folgers in your cup. And, and like, I, I clearly have not seen that ad in minimum 20 years. Yeah. But I go off like a... Like like a like a sleeper agent, right? Like it's it's yeah. Been, it was a part of the point in your evolution as a young person where you're just a sponge and you're just absorbing everything. Like evolutionary speaking, like you, that's the point where you're supposed to be learning life skills and stuff. Right. Instead, you're learning jingles. Exactly. So we, we were part of that generation that were just like bombarded with stuff, and the and the and the, and the game plan was uh, twist the kids inside out drive them absolutely mad and then they will go and harass the living shit out of their parents who are too busy to be able to like sit them down and talk them out of it or to explain to them this is all commercials and stuff like you know there's a whole generation of us that were raised by the television yeah and so like oh i just want them to shut up so you bought stuff for your kids and then like you didn't want them to scream in your ear that one day off that you had so you got them fucking count chocula and Corn Pops or whatever the Frank hell. Frankenberry. Frankenberry, Captain Crunch, uh, <laughs> sh- fucking Sugar Bear. You, you name it, right? Yeah, and we can remember the absurdity of it. All of it. Right? Like we were right smack in the middle of it. Right. So then we transcend into this, this 90s uh, time where everything's in question and everything is uh, thrown up in the air and everyone's pouting and the music and nobody wants to play solos, Right. Is there's like a there's like a moratorium or there's like a, a ban on solos in music, and it's gotta be discordant and disenchanted with everything. And the '80s were a lie, and all this other stuff. So we're like, okay, melancholy. Okay, that's what we're doing. Okay, but then the internet explodes like a fucking bomb, like over our heads, and we're still caught in the fallout, and we're still trying to make out what the hell has happened. But all of a sudden, this idea that you were saying, this interactivity. Uh, is upon us and suddenly we can effectively talk back to the machine right i feel like we've just, like we've like one of those kids that escaped a cult right 
right? And looking back at our upbringing to say like, oh my God. That's exactly how I sounded, yeah. You know, like it seemed so normal at the time. Right. Right. (laughs) Now we see it for the absurd bullshit that it was. was. Jesus, it sounds exactly like we, like we were cult or or we were part of like a neo-Nazi front and then like we were deprogrammed. Yeah, exactly. We were abducted and deprogrammed, but... So I guess what I'm saying is that like now today to bring it a little bit forward today we live in this culture where the transmission at the people is louder than ever but it's like uh, there's a choir of of transmissions coming at us at all in all directions and the media has you know raced as fast as it could to to, to get a grip on this internet thing. And the companies are killing themselves to figure out how to talk to the people and the young people and everything. So what we essentially have ended up with is kind of a return to a conservative, certain conservative uh, ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Certain ideas of what's, what can be said, what cannot be said. We're getting this transmission from the news, this 24-hour news cycle stuff. Or we're getting the pub talk, right? right? And I feel like the value of this podcast, or not particularly this one, but is that it per, it's this somehow this like middle of the road transmission mm. right it's almost like a a place for 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 people to get together who want to like hammer stuff out yeah i mean people get a voice and there's good things and bad things that come out of that but back in the day when some company was hammering you with a message there was no real backlash there was no real outrage when they said like the wrong word now you can't get away with any of that shit, right? right? Because Twitter will just explode, right. right? And it's the same sort of thing, right? Like people need to have a bit of a say. I don't know if it's too much or too little, but I think we're still kind of trying to find that balance point. Right, right. I mean, as a society, I mean, at least from my perspective here, I, I think we've, we've talked about this before that um, there's this kind of sort of pendulum effect. Right, as people, as human beings, it always takes us a while to adapt to any any given. And some of us never do. Some of us adapt right away, right? Mm. But it's a pendulum effect. So if you're we're all the way over here, and then like you know, 20 years later, we're always over there. But there's like a drag, right? Mm. So first, the internet comes in, and everyone cries freedom, and like now we're emancipated, and we can we can freely communicate with each other. But then very quickly, corporations move in and uh, you know, try to control that message. Um, Which is positive and negative, right? Like, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the, like, content that we benefit from is sort of sponsored content, right? Right. Like, if you're not paying for the content, then you're, you're kind of the, you're the product, right? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's that kind of thing? Sign up for free. That's it. Free to download. Free to use. But the... Like a lot of the social media stuff is where the brands end up falling short because these are these are networks that are put together for people to interact with other people, mm-hmm. and then you have some like Tide detergent come in and try to give you some sort of condescending brand image, and then everyone kind of shames them publicly, right? right. And they don't know what to do, so they're all kind of freaking out, right? And they're right. trying to hire, right? Like suddenly this creates a new class of of guru or experts, right? They're hiring fifteen year olds. Hmm. Right to try to tell them what it is that the kids are doing online and what the hell is how how they're using Snapchat or how they're using Tumblr and, and nobody knows shit. 
Nobody. Right? Everyone's calling themselves a guru or a ninja or whatever. Yeah. But like, and we both know people who've done very well in that arena. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and more power to them. Yeah. But uh, like, the product ends up just being like, it's it's just not. It's not personable, right? It's not. Right. It's not sincere in any way. It's just like. We think this person should have won the VMA award. You know, share and like if you agree. Kind Jesus, bullshit, you know, you know, like I, I, I have a confession to make. Not yesterday or the day before. I actually, with all my cynicism and sarcasm that you know me for, completely got wrapped up uh, and interacted with this VMA garbage, this MTV award stuff. No, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like like a like a like a fool. Like in a moment of weakness, like. 15, 20 years ago, the equivalent of what I did a day or two ago would have been like the, uh, you know, that moment where, um, where it's like four in the morning and your willpower is really low and then the infomercial comes on yeah, <laughs> and it could be anything. They could be selling you like a, a, a toe, a toenail, automatic toenail clipper. They could be selling you a thing that a laser that will, make you evolve like something completely out of this world but they get you at that low resistance moment yeah. <laughs> your face squished into the pillow where you're kind of seeing in 3d i don't know if that's ever happened to you like your face is so mushed into a pillow that you're kind of seeing double there's, a, there's like a 3d I, I always see in 3d but maybe that's 4d oh, maybe 4d you're i'm seeing time i'm seeing i'm seeing time in space um so that's essentially what it is. Like they, they, they get you at that like lazy complacent moment. And that's exactly what happened to me a couple of days ago. What's designed um, for? As I see the barrage of uh, VMA related tweets and, and, and social media and Kanye did this and Kanye did the other thing. But I, I, I dare to hope that I still had some sort of like, it didn't even, I didn't fucking even watch the show. I, there was no reason I would watch. So I don't know three quarters of the artists anymore. I don't know who these people are. Uh, Iggy, Azela, Azela is Banks. Like, like it all sounds like word association games, right? right? Dysphagia. Yeah. Tommy Chong, Tommy Chan, right? Yeah, fucking Chan. Tommy Charlie fucking Chan. Yeah, it just like, I, I, I know Kanye West because because Kanye West, right? Because he's, yeah. he's insane. And then I just, I literally just got caught up in it and, and I was watching this and it, it just occurred to me how we get mad at Kanye doing this and we get happy because Miley did that. And, oh, my God, Taylor Swift did the other thing. And the whole time we're not realizing that this entire thing is just one big corporate uh, like Twitter conference, essentially. Yeah. Right. Pour some awards, make some spacemen or maybe whatever the fuck they're giving them. MTV just desperately trying to be relevant. Yeah. Like when was like clearly these guys have not done anything for or with music in a good <laughs> fifteen years, right? Since the days that we were talking about the nineties, yeah. right? They're responsible for every pretty much every like we we bang on TLC now and A and E and all these other channels that have sort of uh, given up the ghost to uh, Honey Boo Boo and all this garbage. But like MTV showed them the way. Yeah, MTV birthed ninety percent of this like rock of love. <laughs> bachelorette uh shite. the irony of like tlc which is the learning channel right <laughs> now it's like honey boo boo and like uh i didn't know i was pregnant again right and shit like that then the <laughs> teen i didn't know who, i was pregnant who, who, what's that then you get the teen teen version right oh, God. it's like gi joe's in our days right 
you got the G.I. Joe, and then you bought the same G.I. Joe again, but he was Arctic. Arctic. He was the Arctic version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the jungle version. Right, anyway, sorry, you were saying. <laughs> I just had to say something about DLC. Yeah. Just the, just the, the irony of it. Like, this, like the garbage that's on like yeah. the learning channel. History channel. <laughs> like, just, just rename the channel. Like, even, like even the, the history channel. Even, even the history channel is, is down that path now. It's true. Um, Although, they don't, don't they have Vikings? Yes, yes, they are. They are trying to produce and get in the game with the Netflix. Uh, AR, it's I rather, a fucking badass show. By Vikings. Oh, I, we can. We could do a whole show on, on Vikings. Yeah. Uh, it's a show that I like so much that I keep wa- watching in incredible increments. Yeah, I could just burn right through it. I could binge watch it. Binge watch it. I think it. that's what I did. Like I watched the first season, and then I introduced it to somebody else. Yeah, like the first episode. And then I had to watch the rest of it, I guess, second time. Just had to <laughs> Within, do it. like, two weeks. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah, but anyways, we were talking about the, can, the, the, the Kanye West thing. That post that you did on Facebook, there's very few posts. That I don't I, remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> there's very few posts that make me laugh out loud. I was at work, and I actually, like, ha, 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 like, at work. <laughs> you said, at the very least, Kanye's speech rose awareness about uh, mental disability. <laughs> right, oh, right. That, that at least something? Kanye, whenever Kanye shows up, it raises awareness about mental illness. Yes, mental illness. <laughs> that was like that was beautiful, man. Well, thank you. But honestly, that's that's really it's really how I felt. And uh, you know, like the one thing, beautiful thing about the internet and the social media, uh, amongst all of its ills, is that sometimes. You have these thoughts and you feel like you're crazy. And then suddenly you see, you know, The Verge and you see The Wire and you see, you see all these all these magazines and they're suddenly like echoing these thoughts. Hmm. And you know that to a certain degree, there's even that as uh, those forums have fallen to trash, trash journalism a little bit. Yeah. Where like, oh, you got to write about it, even if you don't have anything to say about it. They're trying to lead it rather than echo it. I, I found a lot of the time. We're talking about Verge now? No, like uh, TechCrunch, Wired, uh, Mashable, all these ones. Like they're trying to like coin the next hashtag. Right. You know? Right. Because it's ad revenue. Right. 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 They're trying to lead the charge a little bit too much rather than just saying what people think. Right. And and it's it's always the same story, right? It's like every association, every club, every uh, movement that you've ever seen. Somewhere, I, I almost believe, like I almost want to believe that the Ku Klux Klan, no, fuck that. Let's go deeper. The, the like Heritage Front or one of these like insane Nazi, neo-Nazi movements. Like, I want to believe that almost every one of these things possibly started out with a, almost a, a possible rational or even a, a well-meaning idea. Hmm. Like somebody went like, stuff sucks and I want to make a change, right? And then from that moment on, it just devolved into... And then it ended up being like, you know, let's hate on Jews, let's hate on black people, uh, let's hate on... Yeah, a lot of these movements, they start for like a, a like a legit reason. Right. But their conclusion is shit. Right, exactly. <laughs> right? You don't agree with the conclusion, but like there's a, there's a legit reason why they... There's exist, an impulse, you know? there's some, some, something human, right? Yeah. Like enough of poverty, enough of injustice, enough of... For sure. Um, uh, and like, like I, I think he was reading the Ku Klux Klan. Actually, where we're talking about it is uh, was originally like a national movement. Like it was this, this idea of like very much the Constitution and uh, 
exercising that right to rise up against uh, the government if it did not do right by its people. Oh, yeah. Like that, that was the sentiment at, at base of it, right? right? But mix that with the retarded fucking, you know, mentality of the day and the racism. You couldn't even call it racism at that point. It was just literally race war, right. white man's burden, 19th century, post-imperialism uh, type stuff. Uh, it very quickly became like, well, you know, actually, let's just blame these people over here. Clearly, they're the problem, right? Let's blame the slaves that we dragged over from Africa. I thought it was just like a reaction, and this could be just my lack of knowledge on the mm. subject. I thought it was just like a reaction from the like affirmative affirmative action movement sort of thing, the, which the, maybe turned them into this. The same, in, in the same way that you have these assholes like Rushby or whatever, who are in you know, like a, a reaction to extreme feminism or, you right. know, like everything has its, like there's a balance point, right? So you have these extreme sides and then every time that you have like an extreme on one end, like you incite an extreme on the other. Right. And then most, most of us just kind of fall in the middle. Right. You, you, you can't, you, what you, I completely agree. Like what you're saying is you can't feed a movement with, um, uh, middle-of-the-road, uh, compromise-laden, um, moderate drivel, right? Right. Like, you if can't, you're going like, to get a reaction from people, you need to be extreme. You know, you need it's to It's necessary. Be, yeah, right? you can't just be like, oh, yeah, everything's Like, imagine cool. Hitler, like, getting up on the podium, you're like, you know, some of the Jews bother me, but not all of them. Let's not judge all the Jews, because yeah. that would be wrong. <laughs> some but of them are kind of cool. Some of them are kind of cool, like... Like there's, there's uh, Isaac, he's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, we should get those guys. The, we should get the bad ones. Okay? Here's a reasonable uh, yeah. set of rules on how to judge uh, people. Yeah. And, oh, and here are some exceptions. Like the minute no. you start saying that, like eyes glaze over and you lose like half of the like raw, raw. No, you got to be extreme. Like everybody's like this. We hate everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, we, there's been studies done about this. The, 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 the you know, the, the effect of the, the cumulative effect, the collective effect and how everyone just wants to join. Uh, and I, I, I promise you that this actually comes back to Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> I, We're going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring this bitch back to Kanye. Trust me. But uh, this goes back to a very old conversation that I had maybe with you or maybe with someone else and my intolerance to the gay and lesbian community um, early on in during the like the, the, the years where like we were really overturning homophobia and we were really starting to crack open this like acceptance and like no that's not okay and stop it and you can't harass people at work and and I remember I was still relatively young, so I couldn't like really formulate it. And the internet and the, the conversations were not around to to, to 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 massage these ideas into into a, a place where I could stand behind them. But I remember thinking like the gay and lesbian communities was like again yet an, another example of clearly a movement that was born out of a necessity, b struggle, c injustice, you know, and d like just like. Uh, um, it was about protecting people, right? It was about people who said, listen, I just want to live my goddamn life. I'm gay. Why can't I live my life? Why can't I be safe? Why can't I live where I want to live, et cetera? And then you look at it today. I mean, I mean, not that I'm super well read on the subject, but very quickly it's become a lobby. And it almost immediately the, a lobby becomes 
a political interest, right? It becomes a, a, a brand, as they would call it now. Yeah. It becomes a movement. And then it's something that doesn't quit. Hmm. Once it's achieved certain goals, it, it won't disband, right? right? So suddenly now, let's say, okay, so let's say we've made these hard, let's say the gay community has made these incredible like strides and whatever, and now more or less no one really cares if you're gay now. Right. For the most part. For the most part. Although we live in Canada, so. Right. We are, we were, we're, we don't live in like the southern United States. Sure. But I mean, like, to be fair, even if we were to go into, you know, uh, the hillbilly territory in even our own country, we'd find much less liberal attitudes to that sure. effect. But the fact is, is what I'm saying is like, and, and more and more educated people have spoken on, on this, is that it just, movements are doomed to become perversions. They're just, they're doomed to become perversions because they will not stand down once they have reached their goals. In right. fact, they can't even admit that they've reached their goals. There must be new goals. Because there's always new people to take up the charge, right? Right. Who identify with that, like, uh, I'm a revolutionary and no matter if there's still a, a fight to be fought, they, they need to brand themselves as a revolutionary. Yeah. Right? It's, this is someone's Thursday night, uh, uh, like, poker game. And you can't just tell them, like, okay, well, you know, you know, gay rights and stuff like that, they still need to be advanced. But the militant phase is over. We can now actually, and many uh, gay leaders uh, um, have said this, yeah. like we can now start moving out of the gay village and like just be people first right. and whatever the hell else we are in the back there. We got in the back there, right? Uh, but you can't have that. Mm-hmm. And now you are now you're a lobby. Now you're a, a political force, right? We've seen the example in Montreal here, a good ten years ago, fifteen years ago, where uh, there was some unpopular decision made uh, with you know vaguely homophobic overtones, mm. and the gay community like shut down the the touristic industry in Montreal because of they were somehow really hooked into it, and they still are, right? And as a sign of protest, they just sort of. They shut down and they told the mayor, like, you know, I don't think you've, I don't think you've crunched the numbers on this, buddy. You want to, you want to fuck with us? You want to step on our rights and our liberties? Well, we're just going to make a couple of phone calls and you can forget the pride parade. You can forget the gay games. You can forget all these events that bring in realistic ad dollars, money, money into the city. Yeah. So while that's impressive and you want to cheer that on as a, as a victory of the people, it's actually a very, to me, it was very nefarious. Because suddenly this is not about gay rights anymore. This is about a group of people now uh, affecting politics and outcomes of things. Like this is never what the movement was about. No, they're just swinging their dicks. <laughs> they're, just, they're just swinging their dicks. It, it rivals that picture you sent me like a couple of years ago, which I, I wish we have to dig it up at some point once we get a website and everything up. And like, that's, that's the kind of thing that immediately needs to get tweeted out where you took that shot from your window of those guys working on the road. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it looked staged. Yeah. It was so ridiculous. Do you remember? Yeah. There was one guy digging a hole and there was like 10 people, Sit standing around watching him dig the hole, which is like a kind of a running joke, right? Right, when people joke about the We've construction seen it industry, in cartoons and stuff, right? Yeah, like people will will make that joke, but I actually saw it. Yeah, I, 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 I like the image is burned into my mind. <laughs> five fucking dudes standing around, chilling. It was more than five. Maybe even see, we didn't even see if there's anyone in the vehicle. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And then one guy just like 
you know, chucking the gravel <laughs> or the fuck. And God knows if that ever even led to anything. Yeah. Right? And so we could go on and on about the, the, the corruption. But the whole thing is that, that, again, this comes back to what we were talking about, is that you have something like a city, you have its structures, you have its infrastructures, you have its societies, you have its groups, you have its functions, its employees. Uh, all originally, these systems were brought in, carved into being to create a sustainable society, to bring order to make sure that the streets are paved, clean, and that the, the functioning of the city can continue. And now fast forward 30, 40, 50 years later, and it every, and it's a monkey show. It's, 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 a trav- it's a goddamn travesty of, of corruption and wasted money all the way from the core of the, like, the average construction guy on the street to up to City Hall, which we've known for the last, what, like four or five years now. There's been a scandal... <laughs> Like every single mayor has had its own scandal, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. Every borough mayor has been ousted or has run away or has gone into hiding, and just like in 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 a place like it, just it it totally uh, pulled back the veil on on our nice little cozy polite Canada, which the, yeah, which makes me laugh to no end. But so what this has to do with the VMAs? Because <laughs> I swore I swore to you that I'd bring this back is that, again, I want to believe that at its source, at the core of this, when they first put together the show, clearly there was money to be made. But the idea was, we all love music. It's an eternal presence in our lives. It soothes us. It, it carries us. It uh, marks moments in our history, etc. And so here are these amazingly talented people that are able to make us cry, make us laugh, you know, make us dance. And like, let's get this sort of event together to recognize the very best of them and have a night to celebrate our artists, right? And again, fast forward 20, 30 years, you know, one dash of internet, two parts social media. And then what you have today is basically a monkey, a complete, a complete zoo is what these things are. I mean, like, I didn't watch the show, but I watched some clips from the, the VMAs. <clears throat> and yeah, the whole who actually watches the show at this point? I that, don't think anyone does. I think everyone everyone just revels in the tweets. I think so. And the YouTube clips that come out like the best of. Like nobody has the attention span to watch the whole thing. With commercials? Are you kidding me? No. Yeah, exactly. Actually I read specifically a statistic that said there were three million viewers less than last time. I believe it, man. Now that's normally the that's like a death knell for any kind of program. That's an immediate like put a stick through its heart. It's not. But there wasn't even a blip from the advertisers, which says to me that this thing has almost fully transferred into internet land mm. and that they're making that ad revenue uh, online, social media wise and everything. And then there's like essentially nothing, to, <clears throat> excuse me, nothing to worry about. And the show itself, I mean, I used to watch award shows for fun. Yeah. Because in that we were talking about this super controlled environment where the TV's telling you everything where Award shows were kind of one of these last vestiges of beautiful, live, going to go wrong, any minute, broadcasting clusterfucks, mm. right? You, you reveled in the, you were amazed when it went off without a hitch and when this fucking Stevie Wonder or whoever else stepped up there and kept their speech just long enough. But then 
it gave rise to these beautiful, like, you know, when the, they play you off. Yeah. <laughs> they play you off because you're, you're trying to make some, like, you, you just. Kane comes over and, like, pulls you off. Pulls you stage. off. Yeah. yeah, you were just supposed to say, like, I'd like to thank my manager, Jerry Goldstein, and my publicist, and all the people. And then, but you decided to go, like, the children in Africa yeah. need your help, and we can't ignore them. And they thank my manager. Right. And then. Uh, the advertisers figured out that the so-called beefs were incredibly money, social media re- reactive, right? Uh, and then they come up with these expressions like, oh, uh, Rihanna threw shade at Nicki Minaj and throwing shade. This is one of my favorite expressions, by the way. <laughs> throwing shade. It means a fucking nothing. Yeah. It literally means nothing. It's like one, one artist goes, uh, I think artists should be making more money. And then another artist is asked about that interview and goes, well, I don't know if I agree with artist X. I don't think Eminem's on the right. Oh, Eminem. Oh, oh you threw shade at Eminem. <laughs> yeah. It's like Twitter wars between like Nicki Minaj and where the whoever. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Like yeah. Fun. All those. But guys. the whole time I'm watching the highlights of this and, and, and oh, this is the beauty of this entire VMA this year is that they, they, they used Miley Cyrus as their host. Yeah. Who in their right mind, right? I don't care how popular she is, how many records she's been pushing, right? But who in their right minds would put that poor, you know, damaged bubblehead, <laughs> like child star car tra- train wreck in front of the mic repeatedly? To well, that's the demographic they're going after, I guess, right? It's like super young. Demographic. I guess, There's got to be some right? demographics. Like we're in not there. in that that category. Clearly, no. It's but like when Kanye got up and do his like, I don't know what, what it was like a 15 minute monologue of whatever. Right. And just like he had to stop every so often just because all these like young girls like yeah yeah it yeah. Was so weird. It was so bizarre. It was such a such a weird. Okay, so story. here's a story on Miley Cyrus. She so the MTV belongs to Viacom. Right. Right. Viacom essentially made Miley Cyrus, right? He he, they, she is one of their products. Like, yes, she used to be a Disney kid and Hannah Montana and all that other stuff, but she's a Viacom like treasure. They groomed her into whatever she is today. Uh-huh. She obviously thinks she's she's broken down barriers and she's taken empowered herself and taken uh, you know hold of her sexuality and her and her branding or whatever the fuck. But she's clearly out of her fucking line like she has no idea what she's doing and then so she's essentially their little baby and they're like okay let's cash in on this and one very interesting article i read on verge was suggested that this was a very deliberate um they basically offered her up like a sacrifice yeah like they they, they i think s- i saw that right like yeah. uh, they thought that like this would kill her career kind of thing yeah like uh, she torpedoed her career and they let it happen they helped her do it right um, partially because they know that the internet has no memory, mm. right? And then what was news this week is no longer news next week. So anyway, she makes a huge fucking embarrassment of herself. But the, 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 the Kanye thing, and this is what, what I wanted to get to, what's really interesting, is Do it. ever since he interrupted Taylor Swift that day, yeah. um, the marketers, the, the, the companies, have essentially stumbled onto their new 999. Hmm. Their new four in- easy installments of fifty nine ninety nine scheme, right? Right. What 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 uh, you know ostensibly started out as like a mishap 
generated such ad dollars and such revenue and such clickbait and fodder, then they're just like, at this point, they're just like begging. They're hoping that he's going to do something crazy. Team Kanye, Team Team Swift. Yeah. We love teams. Teams now or whatever. Just like we want shit to go down because we're so bored and oversaturated with this crap, right? Yeah. And so Kanye actually had, uh, and I'm calling him Kanye, like, you know, Kanye, like he's a buddy of mine, but fuck that guy. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> fuck Kanye. Uh, everyone knows he's a lunatic. And the most hilarious thing is that he had absolutely no reason to be there. Hmm. Apart from just being part of the glitterazzi or pop, whatever the the celebrity. did he not like win an award or something? No, he no, won no. The award. No, that's, no, no. That, you know, his speech was about. They gave him the heritage. The, the they gave him that award they invented for Michael Jackson. Oh, like a lifetime achievement. One of those. One of like, those fucking nonsense. Like they who used to reserve for people who were dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they gave him some bullshit award. That has nothing to do with anything. He hasn't put out anything or music. He's not. He's got no excuse to get him up on stage. They just wanted to get him up on stage. They. I read the report directly from the stage manager and the people organizing the show. He was originally supposed to perform music, and then he kept going. I'm not going to perform, and then I'm going to perform. I'm not. He basically dicked him around. They didn't care, and that's very indicative of the fact that they just wanted him on the mic. Because they knew that if they can just let him run loose, he'll talk some crazy shit. Yeah. No one will understand it, but they'll be like the for and against. And there was an extra level of like meta too, because he criticized that whole process in, in his speech, right? Right. Right. Like he was saying like how much ad dollars they were making off of his. I don't understand it where it shows. The, yeah. Whatever. I right. don't know. It was, it was I don't com- get it. It was complete madness. And yeah. you're right. The most interesting part of it wasn't even Kanye being Kanye. It was watching the monkeys in the audience. Yeah. Like clapping and laughing and whooping. And they did. They, you could tell they clearly did not know what the hell was going on. Because Kanye, that's the thing with Kanye. He can never maintain any sort of narrative within yeah. his own rants. He does these huge these these pauses, right? Yeah, like where it almost looks like he's he's doing like the sad pose for like a photo op or something. Yeah, yeah. And like you think they had like a like an applause sign? Like you think <laughs> it was like orchestrated like that? Like waiting for him to lose his train of thought. So and they put the applause sign on. And everyone's just like yeah for like a full like three minutes and until he gets his thing back, and then they turn off the sign and he talks. Uh, maybe. But I think it was. I don't even. That was think, the feeling I got. I felt rewatched like, the clip and, and like it's not even net. I, I mean, maybe I have to watch the clip again. Maybe you're right, but I feel like we are so um, jaded at this point, and we're just so like so glad that anything not scripted is happening uh-huh. that people just want to be able to go like, oh, everyone's standing up, some shit's going down, some shit's going. No one's actually listening to whether any real shit is going down. Yeah, because you have the people who are. <laughs> listening because they think Kanye is like the shit. Yeah. And then you have the other people who are just, you know, the same people who are rubbernecking an accident as they're, you know, passing by on the freeway. Right. Just because they want to see some kind of wreck. Absolutely. Some sort of like morbid curiosity, right? Okay. Well, listen, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm pulling up the transcript. Oh shit. Of the actual speech. And are we doing that right now? <laughs> I'm doing this right now. I'm not. I'm not going to make you sit through the whole thing, but I need to just read through this for you because the highlights. 
this is what it's like to be in a Shakespeare class, like the first time, where you, you, everyone's telling you it's really important and you should, this is important and you should know about this. And you're like, you nod. And like, this is where you basically decide if you're going to be a follower or if you are going to be your own, ma- your own person. Yeah. And that's not to knock Shakespeare because he he's fucking amazing. But the point is that you had every right to go, I, this, none of this makes any sense. But you couldn't say that in university or whatever. Like, that's not as high heresy. <laughs> Shakespeare is the, the bard. Like, how dare you, right? Yeah. But you couldn't even have the reaction of like, wait, this is nonsense until you learn the code. Right. Here, it's similar to that, except I don't believe there's a code. Or if there's a code to deciphering Kanye, only Kanye knows it. Right? <laughs> so listen to this. He goes, bro, bro, listen to the kids. This is the first thing out of his mouth. Bro, bro, listen to the kids. First of all, thank you, Taylor, for being so gracious and giving me this award this evening. Okay, so clear setup there, having Taylor Swift give him the award to mimic, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and often... Uh, and I often think back to the first day I met you also. You know, I think about when I'm in the grocery store with my daughter and I really, and I have a really great conversation about fresh juice. And at the end of the day, they say, oh, you're not that bad after all. And like, I think about it sometimes. It crosses my mind a little bit. Like, <laughs> like when I go to a baseball game and 60,000 people boo me, crosses my mind a little bit. Okay. So just like think about the number of transitions that just happened there yeah. and what this leads to because I, I, I need a, a translator. Okay. And I think I had to do it all over again. If I had to do it all over again, what, I would have, what, what would I have done? We're not clear what he would have had to do all over again. Would I have worn a leather shirt? Would, would I have drank half a bottle of Hennessy and gave the rest of it to the audience? Y'all know y'all drank that bottle too. If I had a daughter at that time, would I have went on stage and grabbed the mic from someone else's? You know this arena tomorrow, it's going to be a completely different setup. Some concert, something like that. The stage will be gone. After that night, the stage was gone. But the effect that it had on the people remained. Okay, still, we don't know what we're doing. Okay, so the problem was the contradiction. Oh, okay, he's bringing it around. Hmm. The contradiction is that I do fight for artists. Okay, hello. <clears throat> but in that fight, I somehow was disrespectful to artists. I didn't know how to say the right thing, the perfect thing. I just, I sat at the Grammys and saw Justin Timberlake and CeeLo lose. Narge Barkley and the Future, Future Love Sexy Back all album. And Justin, I ain't trying to put you on a blast, but I saw that man in tears, bro. You know, I was thinking like, he deserved to win album of the year. And the small box that we are in, and entertainers of all the evenings, How could you explain that? Sometimes I feel like all this shit they run about beef and all. Sometimes I feel like I died for the artist's opinion. Sometimes I feel like I died for the artist's opinion. I just repeated that twice (laughs) for effect. And there were some weird pauses for like three minutes at a time in between what you're saying. Yeah. Like you're making it actually sound more coherent. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm lending it credibility and I I apologize to our (laughs) listeners for that. For artists to be able to have an opinion after they were successful. I'm no politician, bro. Look at that. You know how many times MTV ran that footage again? Cause it got them more ratings. You know how many times they announced Taylor was going to give me the award? Cause it got them more ratings. Listen to the kids, bro. I still don't understand award shows. I don't understand how, how they get five people who work their entire life, sold records, sold concert tickets to come stand on the carpet 
and for the first time in their life be judged on the chopping block and have the opportunity to be considered a loser. I don't understand it, bro. I don't understand when the biggest album, the biggest video, I've been conflicted, bro. I just want people to, I, I can't even finish this. It just goes on like this. And of course, for a really long time, for 15 minutes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know, something like that. It just goes on and on and on. And like, it's one part him trying to be self-conscious, I guess, or, or, or self-aware about being a dickhead and having interrupted other people during their moment. Mm. Then quickly sprinkling it with a little bit of I'm the new Jesus and that whole stuff that he's been doing, like how I, d I die for the sins of artists or and then he announced like a presidential campaign for 2020 or something. Okay, that so was like the final thing. He just threw that out at the end, yeah. And that's all the media reported. Yeah. He's running for... for, for, for uh, yeah, it's clickbait. It's that's, pure clickbait. That's all it's about. Yeah. It's just getting clicks. So, so like this is where we're at now, right? Like this is where we're at now where we can't even quantify or qualify what this was, right? All, all that, it's all noise and then like... It, oh, it's reaction time. So everyone reacts. Oh, it's time to get up and whoop and everyone whoops. But it has no sense to it. Right? Yeah, I think I you know I have a, an idea of what he was trying to say, but do you really please enlighten me? I think so. I think he was he was I mean his whole thing has always been like the the state of artists, right? That artists are kind of taken advantage of and they okay. don't get their fair shake and that they have to struggle for their profits and they, you know, have to deal with these large media corporations and whatnot. Right. The irony is that, is that he's judging artistry based on his definition of artistry, right? In the, in the sense that he thinks that Beyonce is more of an artist than a Taylor Swift. And there was another thing with Beck, right? Yeah. But, I mean, you could argue that Beck is, like, a hundred times the artist that Kanye or Beyonce will ever be, right? Because sure. he writes all of his own music, he plays all the instruments, right. he does everything himself. Like, that's a, if you're going to point towards a musician, like, that's a true musician. The Taylor Swifts and the Kanye's and the, you know, Britney Spears and... The like products. The rest of them, yeah. They're manufactured products sure. of Viacom or whatever else, right? So the hypocrisy of saying that, like, you know, this artist should win over that artist. I agree that artists should be uh, recognized, but I think that he, his ego is such that he feels that he has the, the right to judge what true artistry is. Right. And that's seen through the lens of Kanye. Yeah. Right, which is incredibly bizarre. And on top of that, he was saying that, like, once again, like with the Gnarls Barkley thing, like it was an album that he thought should have won and seeing that guy in tears over somebody else who won, he's once again, like trying to say that this person is more of an artist than that other person, which is really, it's a very subjective thing, right? Like you can't say, like you have to be like a real egomaniac to say like, I know what true artistry is right? sure. over, over another one. And then he it was weird because like the only reason why he was up there was because the media companies love this kind of uh, rivalry and it's great for ad dollars, but then he calls it out at the right. same time, which is probably even better for them. Well, this is, this right? is my point is that like, you know, 
I initially, like you, and this is not to say that I'm at a more advanced level than you or anything in my hate of this garbage, but I had the same reaction as you when he interrupted back. I was like, where do you get off, you fucking idiot? Like, how dare you, sir, and all that. But I realized that it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. I mean, if Kanye was on this corporate show saying very anti-corporate type stuff, you know, if you were able to extract it from all the mumbo jumbo, Hmm. and it's allowed to air and they didn't immediately cut his mic because they, they have people on, on the trigger for that stuff, right? It, it was clearly very, very, very okay with the, the corporations because they realized something more terrifying than ever. No one is actually listening to the words. Right. Nobody. They listen to the the the, the, the Wu Tang Clan has this lyric in the, the, their song Triumph, which has always always stuck with me, and that's uh, the dumb are mostly intrigued by the drum, right? Mm-hmm. And it seems that they we've come full circle in that arena, and I think this this extends from anything something as trivial and stupid as an award show with with fucking uh, musicians and artists and stuff to politics to TV, to rules. Nobody it listens to the words that, that are spoken anymore. Even if somebody does listen to the, to the words, it actually works in their favor, right? Because MTV, owned by Viacom, is struggling to be relevant to the young generation now who are all anti-corporate and all this. Right. So if they air a bunch of this anti-corporate stuff, that actually makes them more relevant and more likable to the to the current generation. I, listen, I hundred percent agree with you. And and again, I I can tell you an exact time that this like I saw something and it when it clicked in my head like about five or six years ago. I went to Simon's right, and for those that don't know Simon's, it's your garden variety super department store where like something like sixty percent of people go shop. Right there's like Forever Twenty One for the ladies, H and M for the teeny boppers, and then there's Simon's, which is like the end all. Like you need your depressing corporate wear, like your slim fit pants and your stupid ties, polo for your, shirts, and your polo shirts and your your speedos or whatever. Colorful socks. We got them. You we need your your never ending like women's Gennaro clothing. We got that. You want stuff that has like electronic security clips on it. That's nine hundred nine hundred dollar like wife beater. We've got that too. We've got ties. We've got whatever. And just around the the, the April 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 Levine April Levine April I never Avril Avril Levine. Avril 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 Avril. Um, uh, if you're listening, Avril, we, we heard about the divorce from Chad Kroger and, uh, we want you to know that we're heartbroken, but you should, um, rejoice because you may be able to resuscitate your career now. Uh, so <laughs> there's a silver lining to this. Um, so there's your nickelback. There's your nickelback. <laughs> Hang in there, sister. You've got your nickelback. Uh, that was beautifully done. Sorry. I bow to you, sir. So. I'm in Simon's and I'm in there for something inane, like a pair of shorts or something. And I walk into what I think is the section. Literally, it's an open concept store, right? And they have these sections. So they have the, the grown men section, the old man section, and they have a young, edgy section, okay. right? Where they, send, where they sell all this faux punk skater clothing. 
right? It's all super corporate, super, you know, China manufactured, whatever, but... Like it, intentionally ripped and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, kind fake of rips, fake, uh, uh, fake like, uh, anti-establishment symbols on them, but not really... So for rich kids to look street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when you get a change out of your turtleneck and your, your blazer from your fucking private school that you went to... Uh, you can like, you know, hit the streets and, and go wakeboarding or whatever the fuck you're doing on the weekends. <laughs> and I go buy these shorts and I get to the cash and I'm already disgusted by this point, by the whole, you know, phoniness of this, you know, like literally they sell like a t-shirt that has an embedded fake suit tie, uh, uh, tie over it. Uh-huh. Right. Cause in the punk look, some people would, you know, uh, subvert <laughs> business suits by just wearing the tire over like a ratty t-shirt. Yeah. Now they have this as a complete ready to go package a t-shirt <laughs> with a ratty looks like you half fed it into the paper shredder at work. It's got the whole thing. It's almost like a cinema prop at this point. Wow. That's right? crazy. And I'm at the cash. And then like the cherry on the top is there was this box next to the cash full of buttons Right, little pin buttons that you can pin on your on your cap or whatever. Mm-hmm. With like, down with the man. You can't tell me what to do. Holy shit! When was the last time you had you saw like like pins like that with messages on them? Right, but I'm saying like this is nineties, like nineties thing, possibly. But 80s, like like eighties buttons were the end all like way to communicate. They were almost the Twitter of their time. Yeah. Right. Or the tattoos of their time. The tattoos, the Twitters, the Tumblers of the Reddits of their time. where You, you could, could just, wear it on you and then you knew where you stood. Yeah. Right? Like if you're an anarchy guy, like you weren't necessarily committed enough to tattoo it on your forehead, right. but you wear the pin. Yeah. Yeah. And there was that, that cute chick that was into the Beatles that had the hemp bag and the covered buttons with various messages. But I, I just, to me, it was almost like... Uh, it was almost like an art installation at this point. Like the, 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 the contrast was blowing my mind. Like it's next to the cash register. And here's this box full of completely phony, artificially created rebellion messages. Like I am the 99. Yeah. Like fuck you, dad. (laughs) Fuck you, dad. Like fuck you, dad. Like, (laughs) You won't tell me what to do, or like one of those uh, uh, Bansky-style uh, uh, defaced like corporate logo, uh, yeah. like Pepsi turned into penis or whatever. Down and with the system. Down with the system. You know, uh, uh, you know, sex and violence or whatever on a pin next to a cash register, next to a jaded twenty-something student just trying to make some extra money on the weekend. <laughs> was forced to wear a three-piece suit to work in this the punky area yeah and those buttons are sold by a corporation yeah <laughs> like, at that point like you're feeding into the corporate yeah uh, I, I had what uh, you know alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity yeah <laughs> literally like uh, this is a movie or a ytv show like i have that like a vertigo shot yeah where the the, the view gets skewed and then it, like Pepsi's going to start selling pins and say, fuck Pepsi and just yeah. breaking in the cash. Well, that's what this VMA thing was. Yeah. Right. It's us all going like, oh shit, we broke the machine where we subversion and Kanye is our, is our leader. He's leading us to the promised land of down with corporate and we're fighting for the, fuck you. He's, yeah. he's practically a billionaire. Every other week I see him online bitching and moaning because he can't get any respect from, from the, fashion world 
Yeah. These 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 like creepy like vampires that run that that, that whole <laughs> fucking scene. Like no one will get no Louis Vuitton will give me a meeting because of my shoes. And like he's got all these like even his own people on radio like those black radio hip hop shows that like were there for him when he was coming up. Even there like looking at him like what the fuck can you like these are these are not real issues. Like these are your fucking millionaire problems. Yeah. So he's like, I'm an artist. I'm a recognized artist. Yeah. So I have the right to be an artist in any form that I choose, which is kind of like a form of ego, right? It's not about the product. It's about him. But it's It's not even about him anymore. It's not, it's not, it's just noise. Right, but like it's okay. Say Kanye comes out with like a fucking awesome shoe, yeah. Then he should be judged on that shoe and not the fact that he's Kanye. Although the fashion industry is probably like a really bad example of that because it, it's the they all just come out with garbage, garbage. just because they happen to be like Louis Vuitton. Yeah, or they, they, they like, pat each other on the back and they. they, they, they yeah, it's, it's the same thing uh, those blogger gurus guys do, where they all write some bullshit book. And then they all gang up whenever one of them is pumping one out and they all give it five star four word reviews. Mm -hmm. And then the masses think there's something going on and this book is a must have. Right. With the fashion stuff, like they could have a model walking down the runway with a teapot on her head and everyone would just be like, oh, it's brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Fashion is exactly where Kanye belongs because it's... Yeah, maybe. It's exact. They should let him in with open arms. Yeah, they should. They can have him. (laughs) it's nonsense that gets validated and that is ultimately just dependent on the buy-in of of uh or corrupted rotten rich filthy one percenters and desperate poor people trying to convince themselves they're not that poor and and like giving away like three months of their income to buy a bag or some sort of bullshit. And they're kind of self-contained, right? Like I don't hear anything about fashion industry because they're all just kind of self-gratifying yeah. staying within their own little bubble. A circle jerk, yeah. Yeah, so if they, if he went into that, it would be beautiful. Bit, like we wouldn't hear as much of his bullshit, right? Yeah. Yeah, in a way, that's what really bothers me about this whole thing is, you know, if if, if Kanye had a fucking message of any kind that was sustained in any sort of way from an interview to the next. Mm-hmm. And even if I didn't agree with him, right, if he was just like kicking down doors and starting shit like back in the uh, Bush doesn't like black people days. Yeah. I was like, OK, OK. Mm-hmm. All right. He's he's spitting in the face of uh, of uh, the establishment. He's you know, he's doing he's doing he's like a, a, a rap punk rock guy. OK, fucking a, do it. But then yadi da di da di da yad it's become it's become peanuts. Yeah. Like like Charlie yeah, he's Brown. Like a parody of himself. But it's it's happened to everything. Like yeah. all of it. It's all Charlie Brown. Like rock 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 man the adults when they yeah. talk. I mean like he's admitted himself that he's he's not really a talker, right? I think his best method of communication is uh, is through his lyrics. Give, I, it, give him a mic and like, like he I've just, listened. He he he's even his lyrics make no sense. I'm I mean like I'm pretty good at speaking retard. Okay, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like when somebody is just like blah blah blahing and stuff. Like I can usually kind of get the idea of what what, what he's trying to say. Mm. I think that his is a bit ends up being a bit perverted just because of the size of his ego okay. and 
any one of us could be in that same situation, right? Like if you just have people around you just like, ah, Jason, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, that's, a, that's like, definitely something we should talk about uh, in a future podcast, like uh, the effects of. Just like yes men around you all the just time. Just people paying attention like, to you. Yeah. And like everyone just giving you all kinds of attention, mm-hmm. screaming your name everywhere you go. Like that's got to fuck with you at a certain point, right? Yeah. Like this speech was a perfect example of it. You know, like you were you were reading off the transcript, but like there were like long, long pauses of just people just like screaming and he, he was just like soaking it up. Yeah. It was weird. So I think that he does have a message and his message is that like, you know, the artist, artists in general should be more uh, appreciated, right? And that real artistry should be appreciated. Where it kind of falls apart is where his ego comes in and where he decides what is artistry and what is not artistry, which is a very subjective thing, right? Like you might say artistry is one thing, I might say yeah. artistry is another, but he's, he's just sort of gotten so much positive reinforcement for his ideas that he feels that he's the judge yeah, and that he can go to the point where he can go up on a stage and take the award away from somebody and give it to somebody else. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, if in any, anything he's done us a service in the, in the way that he's exposed these, these events for what they are. They're just attention grabbers, right? They're fine. Well, we're talking about it. There we go. So we, 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 we we're feeding into it right now. Even even angry, we're we're pushing attention on it. Totally. And I want to f- apologize to anyone that listened to this and that had, by the grace of God, <laughs> like uh, you know, uh, managed to sidestep this noise, and now might be googling it because we talked about it. Like I am part of the problem. I just, <laughs> I just fucking contributed to the problem, and I'm yeah. sorry. But what I'm trying to say is that what boggles my mind, and I think we agree on both of this, is that, and I think this is possibly why we started this podcast, is because everyone's talking, but very few people are saying anything. Yeah. Right? And those that are, are, if they attain any kind of attention or popularity, are either being supported regardless of the nonsense that pours out of them, or immediately being crucified for not formulating, for not speaking with the mouth of God and immediately formulating anything and dodging every single potential trigger warning, sensitivity, politically correct, FCC, FCC, women's rights, men's rights, cockroaches' rights, like every, like that this is what we, this is the time we live in. I think this is now the most crucial time for people that have any awareness of this nonsense to get on the mic, to get on any kind of broadcast and, and, and to just express the, 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 the frustration. And this goes back to why, you know, podcasting in its current state of evolution is, is in a, like a really powerful medium, mm-hmm. right? Like any, like we're, we're nobody, right? Like we don't answer to any, giant corporation not yet (laughs) you know how long will it take (laughs) that's it you know like we can just talk freely about this stuff and if people want to listen to it then great and if they don't and they don't agree then and if people want to be part of the conversation then they can do that too
entertained? Are you not entertained?